2: Welcome out to The Prototype. I'm your host, Mike, the Birdman God, right here on ThisWeekAndGeek.net. But I'm not alone as we wrap up the summer of gaming. I am joined with... Alex. And you have no idea how hard it was to not snap my fingers when I pointed to you. We're working on that on the show. Mr.
1: Snappy Snappy, make the audio go crackle, crackle. But
2: I'm working on it. And I think I've gotten better in the last couple weeks. I mean, yeah. Working on it.
1: You slap yourself. I don't have to hit you anymore. <laughs>
2: So, yes, guys, we are here on the prototype. We didn't have an, an episode during August simply because, well, we ran out of time, truthfully, and we were trying to do the summer of gaming. And as you guys know, we issued a challenge to each other at either late May or early June to play through a series of games. And uh, Alex had picked out the Dragon Age series for me, won the three. Yeah and then that got changed to um deus ex human revolution and mankind divided i think those are two separate games and we'd also had tried um other games i challenged alex to do what was it skyrim
1: and the Shadowrun games
2: and the Shadowrun games so i guess before we break into the main topic of the show the main topic of today's show will not be the summer of gaming we're actually going to talk about digital press preservation uh, and emulation because, as you guys know, in the last couple of weeks, a number of emulation sites have been shut down. The SNES Classic and the NES Classic are more available than ever, and Nintendo has just announced its new online service for twenty dollars a year or twenty-five Canadian. And that means it's easier to get some of these quote-unquote classic games. But we're going to talk about some of the ones you usually can't get and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we're also going to have a review of Little Dragon Cafe. We're also going to have a little bit of a discussion towards the end of the show about a game Alex is reviewing or has reviewed. And I think that's SNK Heroines, I think.
1: Yes, SNK, uh, the, the new fighting game available on Switch.
2: So yeah, we'll talk about that right at the end of the show. Okay, so Summer of Gaming for me. Alex challenged me to do the Dragon Age games, made by Bioware and EA. Uh, Many, many critical acclaims. You're going to the land of Theodos. You're supposed to stop the Blight. You're a Grey Warden. And then you go to the city of Freeden, I think it was. Was that right? Ferelden?
1: This explains everything that he knows about the game.
2: (laughs) Am I right or wrong?
1: The second time, Ferelden.
2: Ferelden, okay. All right, so I was gonna call it Freeport. No, that's a D. No, that's a Pathfinder thing. Um, and then the last game, you're stopping. Fuck, I don't know. the The sky turned green and bad shit happened. Um, okay, I failed.
1: You're no longer a gamer.
2: I don't like it. You, you I, you, I like the lore. You seem to
1: only like one type of game now.
2: What is the one type of game that I'm into?
1: You, uh, a stealth game with shooting.
2: I did okay. Allow me to explain what he talks, what he's talking about. So earlier, earlier last month, Ubisoft had announced via backwards compatibility some of its Splinter Cell titles were coming back. And One of my favorite games of the last generation was Splinter Cell Blacklist, uh, where they introduced not Michael Ironside as Sam Fisher, um, and it was a great game. I thought it was really freaking fantastic. I want to say two thousand thirteen. Maybe? Maybe a little bit before that? Maybe 2011? I don't know. Um, but either way, it was an awesome game. I thought it was friggin' awesome, and I went back through it and really perfected my Solid Snake skills and uh, had a great time just being this government agent on a mission. Ignoring your duties. Ignoring my duties, going exercising the fifth freedom, which is to kill. Um, yeah. I didn't finish any of the Dragon Age games. Alex did you, walk me through. He was
1: all butter. I don't like this because it's not the game I want to play. <laughs> it's not
2: Mass Effect. Uh, That's the thing. The engine didn't feel like Mass Effect. To well,
1: me. it wasn't supposed to. How, how, how do you make a how do you make a shooting game with when it's a, about magic?
2: Magic is and, ranged and
1: sword and sorcery.
2: You have the but the thing is, you, you do, have the
1: Omni Blade in Mass Effect like a, 3. You didn't get far enough into the game to get different weapons.
2: That's true. I just... I couldn't get into it. The storyline... The story and the world were very interesting I, g- I get me. the first
1: one because you, you just are somebody... It was somebody, a part of its time. Like, in 2008, when the first game came out, you maybe weren't the kind of person that would play those games. Yeah. Uh, the second game... Uh, had a better battle system, but you still weren't interested. You are just like, no, I want to do that. So we skipped right to the third game. which That got the best my one. attention a little bit more. The third game is considered one of the best games of this generation. I, like, bar none. Like, like, nobody, it's not even contested. Uh, and
2: then, whoa, I can't wait to come swinging back at you the, with the, that uh, one.
1: Uh, you know, it, it works. There's not really any bugs. It has a fantastic story that, that leads you through. You have choices to make that are... Are dramatic and uh, and have far-reaching effects, and and then Mike's like, I'm gonna pout and, and give a sour face because I don't like it.
2: I just found it boring. It's, I truly but, did.
1: But the funny thing was, it was almost—I honestly thought you weren't paying attention enough to even play it.
2: No, I just—it just—it didn't like grab you, me like Lord of the Rings did or Mass Effect did. I was expecting. See, when I went in, I thought it was going to be medieval Mass Effect.
1: It is, sort of. That's the, uh, that's the idea. That's the mechanics around the interviews, talking to people, making your choices of being good or evil, and, and, and choosing your faction. I
2: liked the idea how, at the end of the first game, you could choose to wed the one chick, and you'd have yep. that, that, that child. You, or you could the,
1: choose somebody else to wed, or you could choose not to do that. You could choose to sacrifice. There's six or seven different endings. Yeah.
2: See, I thought that was neat. I thought that, and was that neat.
1: carries forward in, into what the storylines of the next games.
2: Um, I, I thought some of the character. I liked that Bard, Vard, or Varus, whatever his name yeah. was. I thought he was kind of neat. I like the storyline for the second game because you made me watch a video, and I'm thinking, all right, maybe this game has got a bad rap in terms, in terms of its critical reception because I know the, a bunch of people didn't like the, it.
1: The, the reception was that it was too short because the first game was 100 hours, and it went down to like 25 or 30.
2: I don't know. There's just something about the Dragon Age games that didn't grab me. Now, that being said, I do want to finish the third game because I have yeah. all the DLC you, you for it. You don't
1: really have had to have played the first two because it explains everything you need. It
2: sets up the world.
1: Yeah. So, the third game, I really do think you'd like it because like, you've are you played other titles recently that have, if not similar... Uh, the It's not just the battle system, just the way it's presented, the story's presented, if you like the Spider-Man game, there's really no reason you shouldn't like this. If I don't you, know. If you like... If you like games that, that have dialogue trees, choices, uh, loot, like, I. you're... You should like this. Like it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But then
2: again, at the same time, if I want that experience, people are telling me I should go check out The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt.
1: And The Witcher 3, the only problem is combat is is not fun for me. A lot of people like combat in that. Yeah. It's a lot of dodging, parrying, changing your swords. It's, it's a lot of... In the moment. In the moment and also slow moving. This moves very quickly. You just hold down your trigger and you can jump around and do stuff.
2: See, that bothered me. I didn't like that. And I which, can't really put my is, finger on why. Which is funny why.
1: because it's similar, and as you get farther in the game, you have to do more button combinations, pairing, dodging, very similar to the Spider-Man game that you love so much right now.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's just- I honestly think you,
1: during the period that you were supposed to be playing these games, you were in just a funk where you only were going to be satisfied by one type of game. Yeah. And, and it might change down the line.
2: Yeah, because I kind of wondered when I was playing Splinter Cell Blacklist. I kind of thought about going back through uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom yeah, Pain. You're
1: on a stealth kick, and then well, we, or said, Hitman. we said, "Okay, we'll switch this. We'll, we'll we'll switch it over to Deus Ex because it's got the shooting aspect of a game that you like. It's, it's got, got the cyberpunk, cyberpunk, and then it has the RPG aspect, and you're still like, man.
2: You know, the thing that bothered me about that, and it's it it's a shooter thing, is that left trigger put you in to cover it didn't aim down sights I had to click right analog to aim down sights and that just didn't come naturally and you, and I you, come from a call of duty you can
1: change uh, the, the control scheme
2: really you didn't tell me that yeah. I watched
1: you and I'm like what are you doing well you didn't get past the first level
2: no no I oh, did I, I got to some warehouse where you get your uh, abilities okay
1: so you get the second level
2: yeah so I was like eh but then again my friend Tiffany uh, a fellow terrible warrior really likes the Deus Ex games yeah. so I'm willing to give it a shot because they, I know she doesn't like shit
1: the first Deus game she also game, likes
2: Dragon Age so I don't see why I don't yeah. gel
1: the first Deus Ex game I liked so much I wrote the developers a thank you letter and mailed it to Montreal that's cool that's how much I liked it so uh, moving on to me so basically you're, you're uh, an abysmal failure but so am I uh, mine is, is for a couple of reasons. One, you challenged me to, to play Skyrim. I can't get past an hour into it without wanting to smash my computer into a million pieces. I fucking hate everything about that game. It's To me, it's one of the worst games ever made. I can't stand the interface. I can't stand the combat. I can't stand the aimlessness of it where it, it doesn't lead you anywhere. I don't like games that are so open that you just don't have any direction. I also don't like the graphics. I don't like There's so many aspects of and I don't and like And you
2: give me shit. That's one of the most critical I've acclaimed come to the conclusion
1: games. that I don't like Bethesda. And I, ooh, okay. I, I hope that doesn't burn me with them in the future, but I don't like Bethesda because I don't feel they present a completed game when they release them. I don't I still don't believe they've worked out the bugs. And, and oh, no,
2: there are still Skyrim Bugs. In fact, there are packed, There I, are things you can download via Creation Club. I don't Club. know
1: how, you, in this day and age, they can release games that aren't done.
2: Because Creation Club, for one... Uh, well, the,
1: the, I mean, even without, they're not done. They, they don't finish games. They just release them. So, I think I have an ethical problem with how they develop games and release them. I, I also have a problem with... They seem to be hell-bent on... Let's make a giant world, but not give you a cohesive story.
2: See, once again, you didn't get more than an hour into it. So I, ended up, into I ended up War watching
1: stuff. a bunch of videos of, of gameplay on it, and I was bored out of my mind. I don't like first-person RPGs.
2: That I'm willing to grant.
1: Uh, if, if I had been had the option to always be in a third-person, over-the-shoulder perspective, I might have had a better time with it. I will admit
2: combat in that game is maybe a little weak. It felt janky very,
1: like... It, it, it doesn't... The swords it doesn't, didn't have enough weight behind and it. And it doesn't move the way I would think it would move. The Witcher is better at that, and other games that do have first-person modes feel like you're swinging a sword. This just felt like... It felt like Doom, like, back in the day, where it's just like you're just your hands are right in front of you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it's that it's not as immersive as I would want for a game that's supposed to be immersive. Uh, and I just... I, I thought
2: the lore in that world was phenomenal though. I
1: just I found the game to be very bland like color scheme wise uh, well if you
2: she, only got an hour into it I don't see where you possibly could have gone
1: no I'm, I'm after watching videos of it too okay. I just found it I looked at it and I went this is something that's done a million times better with Dragon Age and other titles as far as uh, building a world and making you care making you important to the center of that world and having a cohesive story
2: I don't know. I, I, I guess I won't find out for quite some time. I'm really disappointed you didn't like Skyrim because it's a like, game it's, I wasted thousands of hours it's,
1: on. It's one of those things where I see it and I go, I have absolutely no idea how anybody could like it. Like, I actually don't understand how people can like it at all. So For
2: me, it was the story and the lore. The lore drew me in. Basically, It felt like I was really playing D&D. Like, the depth, the books you could find, the little bits of conversation you hear it felt like a lived in which world is,
1: which is all in Dragon Age and done significantly better with better voice acting
2: better, oh, visual, that, that I'll be, better to the voice
1: acting, better there. visuals better sound direction I I but not that I close. like I like having an open enough world that I can go off the beaten path and discover new things but I also like but I like the ability to fuck yourself in Skyrim I, you kill an important
2: NPC they're dead that's what I don't like I think that's fucking great
1: I I, I look at it and I go okay that that's real world should, that should be in a mode like a, diff, a certain mode like a hardcore whatever mode but i i believe that i'm not buying a game to me, uh, meander about for 300 hours walking around i'm buying a game to get a story and an experience
2: but you have to find the story that's the
1: problem that's lazy storytelling
0: were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You, do, you
2: only got two hours in, so you didn't That's... follow the path from the Civil War, which led leads into the path of the of the Dragonborn and getting basically the story of Alduin and whatnot and what you have to accomplish.
1: It, it's, okay. It's so I, I I've come to the conclusion that like it's just it's a Bethesda thing. It, it, it can die in a fire. I'm also offended at how many different releases I'm saying quotes that they've done to improve the game have come out like and all the patches is that what you the mean patches, the VR version the PS4 you gotta buy separately the PS4 enhanced version the, there's two or three versions of it for the PC uh, it comes out on every platform imaginable for years and years and years. they milk a game that's not complete and not fixed yet so that's what I don't get I don't I have a problem with them suckering people out of money for it So all that's, right. that's a personal opinion on that game uh, it's not what about Shadowrun shadow run uh i did start playing the problem is that's not an issue i liked it that's not an issue of me not wanting to beat it uh that's an issue of me literally having 20 to 30 games on the go for review for companies yeah so i just don't physically have the time to play it for fun and when we did this challenge was when we were getting maybe generally one game a month for review yeah things start things one really two, picked up this and, summer and we've got i've got like seven on the go right now
2: i've got like four things on the go right so
1: now. it's it's and there's stuff in the bag that's got to be recorded so it's it's literally you know we're reviewing content for medium uh press purposes i don't have time really for fun games at the moment
2: and that's really unfortunate but, because yeah i think Shadowrun playing those games is going to be the perfect primer for uh, terrible warriors cambridge chronicle season two
1: what i do like is that that game will run on a computer that's like 12 years old
2: <laughs> yeah because it's optimized pretty much for any rig you can possibly ha- have
1: yeah i'm on. able to play it on max settings on my my laptop that d- has integrated graphics
2: yeah i'm probably gonna download it uh, to my laptop and just screw around with it just to get ideas for new Shadowrun. Uh, campaign. So once again, I'm really sad you didn't uh, get a chance to dig into. Yeah, those games. and I'm,
1: I'm not like I'm not exaggerating. I'm not saying when I hate it. I hate it because it's just going to sound good on the podcast. I fucking hate that game. Uh, that, like with a seething, seething passion, I would throw tomatoes at the creators.
2: That so. makes me really sad because it was one of the games that uh, it made me appreciate fantasy again,
1: and I, I, I'm also one of those guys I get I'm, I normally don't do this but I get pissed off at the fanboy culture around it how they, they it's like they worship them want to suck Bethesda's dick all day over it and it's like how, how, no 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 it, this is wrong on so many levels okay I, got, I, I gotta stop or I'm just gonna get more and more mad
2: it's, it, it's kind of funny how both the games we challenge each other were fantasy I'm not a swords and sorcery guy, and I thought I would love Dragon Age.
1: Maybe that's why you like Bethesda's Skyrim because it's not a good sword and sorcery game. <laughs> I don't know.
2: I I no. can't argue with the it's, critical. It's, of I, I,
1: I I the only thing I get about it is I get that if you're one of those guys that likes to put a million hours into the same game, fine. I don't understand why people like MMOs either. So
2: yeah. So that's Tristan's thing. So yeah. Because So anyway, guys, we're going
1: to... I'm trying to be polite.
2: (laughs) Anyway, guys, we're going to take a small break here on the show. We're going to have our review of Little Dragon Cafe. We'll be back right after this.
1: Little Dragon's Cafe is an interesting title brought to us by Access Games. It's sort of a hybrid between Harvest Moon uh, and like a Tamagotchi monster raising uh, aspect, as well as... Uh, a little RPG simulation, uh, and then at the same time, also a cafe simulator. So <laughs> that sounds like a lot. What it is is you are constantly gathering uh, different ingredients uh, from the field around your cafe, and using them to bake uh, and and cook brand new items and new dishes every couple days or so to create uh, more complex items that you can then feed to your patrons all the while under the guise of you're slowly raising this dragon from a hatchling into being this full-sized you know monstrous dragon that is somehow going to help you uh, get your mother out of a coma why is she in a coma well it's because she's apparently half dragon herself and the blood of the dragon and the human in her isn't mixing correctly it's out of sync (laughs) <laughs> so take that with a grain of salt the story is wacky and out there you encounter uh, werewolves and, and thieves and uh, mages and and just all or- sorts of weird uh, funny characters that come in that you're supposed to end up creating you know foods for the idea behind the game is pretty interesting in that it's a very upbeat game everybody seems to come to you with their own problems you know whether it be loneliness, or they ran away from home in one case, and over the course of a few days or so of cooking for them, you'll end up making them a dish that helps them along their journey and they end up becoming a better person because of it. It's about 25 hours or so to complete the game, depending on how fast you run through it. There's a, as you go on, you eventually unlock new ways of traversing the land around you that makes things move a lot quicker so it depends on if you want to just explore everything or if you want to just blaze through the story. But I would say about 25 hours is about the sweet spot, I'd say. Now, this game is kind of dated looking in the graphics. Like, it's something you would have seen... uh, I think you could have probably seen this in, like, the GameCube era. Uh, I'm playing this on the Nintendo Switch. There is also a PS4 version. They look pretty much identical from what I can see. The graphics are sort of uh cartoony but very interesting in that they look like they were drawn with pencil crayons which is very very cool it's something i haven't seen before in a game i've seen games that have watercolor or you know either like kirby's epic yarn where it looks like yarn but not something that looked like it was drawn with pencil crayons and almost i guess like crayons but more pencil crayons now the music in it's pretty good as you end up baking and cooking all the meals uh, it becomes sort of a uh, one of those rhythm games where you're just pressing the buttons as you're supposed to and that's pretty good but it brings up the first issue I have with the game there is a frame rate drop when you're playing these mini games as well as just moving around sometimes you'll see things you know jut into place like it just loads in the background quickly and it throws the frame rate down to a crawl like we're talking five frames a second for maybe two seconds and then it goes back up to normal but it always feels a little jittery it's something that you would have figured would have been probably edited out and, and uh, patched out first day but it doesn't seem to be that there hasn't been an update to it to fix it it is something that should be able to probably be fixed fairly soon because this isn't even on a disc there shouldn't be any jittery issues if it's loading directly from the solid state uh, you know, memory card now, the other issue I have with the game is there is a lot of loading screens. We're talking you go into a door, loading screen. You leave, loading screen. Anything you do in this game seems to bring up a loading screen, which is surprising because there shouldn't be any loading screens when it's reading directly from memory. This is, there's no moving parts <laughs> in the Nintendo Switch. It should just be able to read it and move, especially since this isn't a very taxing game graphically. So that out of the way, those are really the only two gripes I have about it. They don't really take away from the main enjoyment of the game. It's just something that seemed a little out of place. The rest of the game is fantastic. It's charming characters, engrossing, you know, although shallow story. But it's just something I just wanted to keep playing and playing and playing. And in my course of review, you know, I was having three or four hour sessions where I was just playing it. I didn't even realize the time had flown by, just harvesting you know, the crops and, and baking and cooking and then seeing all the wacky new characters coming into the shop. And it can get pretty hectic when you've got 20 patrons coming into the shop at the same time. So, all in all, I would say give this one, uh, pick it up now, actually. I was going to say, definitely hold off until they make a patch for it. But you know what? It hasn't taken away, really, from my playthrough with the loading issues. So I would say, actually, go right ahead and pick it up because I know it's going to be patched down the line because this is just a brand new game. So that's Little Dragon's Cafe from Access Games.
2: And we are back here on The Prototype only on ThisWeekInGeek.net. Don't forget to stay tuned after this discussion of Nintendo emulation, digital preservation. We'll be talking about SNK heroines where Alex will give you his impressions of that game. So let's kind of dive right into it. So as you guys know, in the last couple of weeks during the month of August and into September, several large emulation sites were shut down, threatened by a lawsuit by Nintendo and others to take down ROMs. Uh, The emulators are still available, but the ROMs are not. Well, that's because
1: emulators themselves are protected. They're original creations. And as long as they're not physically cracking... Uh, a, a hardware or using the actual software that came with the, the systems. Like as long as they're not taking a BIOS from a system and reverse engineering it, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're made to then use the BIOS that's officially available. So they're not illegal. And technically ROMs aren't either. They're in a gray category. ROMs for the sake of preservation, anybody can store ROMs that they own themselves you're allowed to make backups by any means necessary that doesn't break encryption uh, of your own previous games for your own library, for your own archival purposes in case something happens to the product that you bought. Now, that's what's contested a lot of times by uh, software companies is they're saying, like Nintendo or, or EA or anybody that uh, has old titles, especially in, in the old ROM format, they're saying, no, you've bought a service, you've bought a license to use it, but that's technically not the case when it came to uh, prior to the online age of, let's say the PS3 era onward. Uh, before systems were online, you bought the hardware, you bought the right to use the, the, the game, but you bought the physical hardware. Anything that you have with the hardware, you can do with as you please. You only break, uh, break things if you go online and you, you abuse their online services. So it's technically not illegal. It is illegal to share them technically, depending on the state, country that you're in and what their laws are. Like, for instance, in Canada, it is illegal uh, to upload them and constantly be sharing with people that you can't verify already own a copy of it, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not archival, but it is not illegal to download ROMs. Really? So it's illegal to host them publicly. Okay. Okay. Uh, and even then they've never really been enforced on that in the States. I believe it's a gray area and it's state by state basis. So, yeah. Cause
2: I think this case, they went after guys in Arizona, I want to say, and the guy uh, was like, well, I can't defend this.
1: And interestingly enough, uh, are they, are we talking about the EMU paradise site? Yeah, <laughs> They can, they could defend it. You know why they could defend it. They, they, they only went after them, or they, there's probably two
2: reasons. I think some of the facts on this one are wrong, simply because I know one of the lawsuits was filed in Arizona. I don't know whether the guy from Emu Paradise was from Arizona. I don't know whether he's that yeah, guy or but, if it's a
1: different but guy. But with Emu Paradise, I can tell you two reasons, in my opinion, why they were targeted, specifically. Not just their size, because like, they had a vast collection that was publicly public-facing. You didn't need a password to get to. You didn't need to be a member or anything. Uh, it was, one... Nintendo is trying to launch their online service with their ROMs. That's basically what you're getting. Is you're getting a ROM with an emulator when you get the the Switch uh, Internet Pass. What are they call- What are they calling that that service? The Nintendo Game Service with it? Or something like that? Yeah, the NES whatever. They're not calling it Classics. They're not calling it uh, uh, you know previous Virtual Console. I don't even know what they're calling that specific. It's service. not
2: even the Virtual Console. I don't yeah, know what it's something is.
1: else. But that's. That's one reason they want to launch that, so they want to get rid of that. Uh, Actually, there's probably three. Second reason, uh, the NES Classic and the SNES Classic are easily hacked. You could add any ROM you wanted.
2: Yep, that's true. Because I know people personally, their uh, their NES Classics hold, I think, almost the entire library. Yeah, the
1: NES uh, Classic uh, holds 300 megs of data, or three-something or other. It was released online. Yeah. And reality is, like, 30 megs is used up yeah the roms so it's it can store anything you want so people easily hacked it it's just you plug it in your computer you press a button you install a piece of software it uh you know it circumvents so you don't get, you get your warranty anymore that's what they can do they can void your warranty for tampering but there are many people that go okay well i have like 150 nes titles sitting on my shelf what are I you gonna do bust own that? Yeah. you know what i'm gonna put rom back up so i can play them there because i don't have to swap my cartridges
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Yeah. And the argument Nintendo will make is, no, you bought it to use on that one piece of hardware. And that if it doesn't work anymore, it's too bad. So I get sort of where they're coming from. That's just greedy in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and legally, they have the right to do with what they want. It means if they void the warranty on their device and it stops working, they're shit out of luck. So there's... That's the second factor. The third one, and its they say it's because they're losing money on it and all this. No. What they went after EMU Paradise and other sites like that for is... The advertising? The advertising on the site. They didn't make money selling the ROMs, which is traditionally why a lot of these sites didn't get shut down, is they weren't making money off of it. But EMU Paradise and a few of the others were making... Easily, because they were getting unique hundred, hundreds of thousands of hits per month. They were easily making multiple millions of dollars a year in advertising. Every click made an ad pop-up. Every, every download. There's like seven or eight ads on every page. Like they were easily worth, they say they're worth nothing. They're liars. They're yeah. easily worth five to 10 to $15 million. They could fight it. Nintendo could fight forever, but they'd rather just shut up not want to argue that, 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 because if they go to court, then they have to argue, they might lose the money they earned through it. Yeah. So they would rather just comply, shut down, take their money and leave and live a happy life.
2: Now, my big thing is, I don't have a problem with ROMs for the most part. Now, I'm a big believer in digital preservation. And with Nintendo recently launching their online service, clearly Nintendo owns the copyright to all these, to, to this entire library, correct? Yes. Uh, so, well,
1: unless they were ones that were published by second and third party developers.
2: But would they not own something of, from nope. that?
1: Nothing. They have to pay them.
2: Okay. Well, Nintendo has all this money in the world. They're a giant company. Yep. I'd like to know why they don't just, their library is something like 700 games, not all of them good. In fact, a lot of them terrible. Curate two hundred really, really good ones they do it like Netflix. curate your best two hundred games, pay those companies however much they want, and launch your online service like that. This way, the games um, are preserved they're on a server somewhere at least, yep, and you can play them on on your console. I think that'd be really great.
1: I actually get the feeling that you they haven't they said it they were very coy about how the service works mm-hmm. I think you don't even download it. I think you have to be connected online to play.
2: Oh, absolutely. I assure you of that.
1: And the reason they're going NES with that is that means that it can Less load... Less lag? It's because the the whole games are like 500 kilobytes.
2: Yeah. So you, they can load you, directly into memory. Yeah, you might see the odd game that's maybe a couple of megs, but not likely. Because I so, think the NES was at max, what, 4 megs?
1: 4 megabit, which meant it was 512 kilobytes. Okay. So the like Final Fantasy three that we didn't even get here is that big. Mario is like eight or sixteen kilobytes. Like we're talking so small that you could fit it on in a, a, in a text message. On right on, on on your memory card on your Switch? Yeah. You could fit it several billion times. Wow. That's how small it is. So there's no reason why they couldn't just download it to your system and then have a check online to but no, but they're probably gonna make it an online service directly streaming it. That's annoying. It is. And and they refuse to add a trophy system. They refuse. There's a lot of things they're not doing. And it's because Nintendo doesn't know online and they probably never will. They don't care. They're doing this out of necessity. They have to catch up now.
2: Now, one of the things I'd like to know, we talked about this on the earlier uh, Twig podcast you heard uh, earlier in the week. We talked about how no one gives a rat's ass about NES anymore. I'd like to know why they're not offering their library out to the Super Nintendo, the N sixty four, etc., etc. Clearly the Switch. They can see
1: dollar it. signs. They'll milk it everything. They're they're as bad as Capcom and as EA. They will milk it as much as they can.
2: That makes me so sad because they have such a huge library. People yeah. want it.
1: Just give it to us. Why have we still not received uh, Mother Three, like the Earthbound sequel?
2: I have a feeling that's someone holding a personal grudge somewhere.
1: They, they say that there's musical issues with like, some of the rights because it's then too close. They to, change like,
2: Hire a different composer
1: because yeah. you know it's what? It, it'll sell. Yeah. But they don't care. Sometimes they Nintendo has been, and I love Nintendo, but they've been very petty in the past. If somebody is slighted or they think they've been slighted in a certain way, they will bury a developer. They will bury a programmer. Uh, they're known and, and same for some of the same tactics that Konami has done, where with Hideo Kojima, not with him, with some of the other people. Where if you do something to piss them off, they won't fire you because that means that you're comp- you'll go to a competition. They will make you a janitor. You'll stay within the company. They'll say, okay, you're demoted to this, and it's against face to quit. In most of those companies, unless you're so high, Kojima was so big he could leave and make his own company. Oh, yeah. Uh, but any mid level person who has an idea to make a game, they might say, even, they might even make it in their spare time. They might have had, like, look, here's a sequel to F Zero. Mm-hmm. I've got it like 75% done. They go, we didn't approve of it. We're never releasing it now because you went behind our back. Whereas other companies traditionally would go, embrace the... Hey, you know what? That's a cool idea. That's what happened at Sony. That's how the PlayStation was, uh, was created. Uh, it was originally a guy that worked for them, an engineer, went and made a CD device and made a deal with Nintendo behind the backs of the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. The board of directors wanted to fire him and, and demote him and do all these things to destroy his career. The CEO happened, to, happened at the time to like his initiative and then they were going to make the SNES CD-ROM. Yeah. And then Nintendo again at the time felt greedy and and this and they went behind their back and went with phillips and then that fell apart too nintendo has been abysmal at new technology it's just been a fluke that the the wii worked and because they viewed it as a toy and that the switch worked it's honestly a fluke because they they've never been at the forefront of technological advancement
2: well what about the 3ds for example
1: it's it's not it's a gimmick it's a, it's a toy gimmick. Look, they've abandoned it entirely. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So they 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 do gimmicks to get you hooked, and then they just a lot of times they hit and they work. They're they're seen as a so- they think of themselves as a software company that happens to make hardware, whereas everybody else in the gaming industry that that makes consoles believes that they are a hardware company making software on the side. Software is where they get the money in the back end, but their bread and butter is the hardware. So. They, there's very different philosophies, and Nintendo has always been, you ask any fan, they, they'll say they don't do online well. So this, we won't get a good online service from them until later this generation, or maybe the next generation.
2: Now, when it comes down to digital preservation, there's one company that I think does this tremendously well. Xbox. Yeah. And they do it via backwards compatibility. Now, they haven't released all the titles that were available on Xbox Live Arcade, mostly due to licensing issues yeah. and stuff like that. But the Xbox survives on backwards compatibility. For example, as I talked about in the beginning of this episode, Splinter Cell Blacklist. I never thought I'd... I thought I'd have to haul out my old 360 for that. Now, I can't play the X-Men or the Simpsons Arcade game or Scott Pilgrim vs. the World because those are online-only games. Or, sorry, those are digital download but, I can if they ever choose to release it. Whereas Sony's backwards compatibility is streaming via PS now.
1: Yeah, and that, uh, don't be surprised if that goes away. They're trying to do a push on it, nobody's getting it. Uh, they, I, they I nerfed, don't know anybody who does. Well, they nerfed the online. People don't realize that the PS3's uh, cell system, the, the CPU system they had in it, yeah, is technically more powerful than what's in the PS4 Pro. Really? The CPU, it's the GPU that's not. It's, just, it's a very complex CPU to program for. So they're bottlenecked by the fact that they had like 256 or 512 megs of RAM for the entire system. So there's like, at that point, 16 times the amount of RAM in the PS4 and the, the Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the GPU, the graphics processor, is way better in the PS4 and the, than the 4 Pro. But the, the, the PS3 CPU was so good that the emulation that was done for, especially this, the software for the PS1, uh, it was all done in software. Like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't offloaded to the GPU and it wasn't like they, they had to code a lot. It was basically running an emulator and it ran at full speed, if not better. Now, they nerfed it when they went to the PS4. Not, I don't think, because it couldn't run it, but there'd be more effort involved in having to make it work. So that's why we have these PS2 games that they release every three or four months at, at a 15 or $20 price point.
2: Yeah, which kind of pisses me off because yeah. we, we know the system can do it
1: yeah like there's no reason why they couldn't just have the ps1 support still
2: i want to know why ps4 does not have older psn games that don't run that are purely emulation or are purely
1: yeah like the, the, the classics basically yeah. is one because uh, once the ps3 servers go offline you're done
2: with that which sucks because I have games like Marvelous Capcom, Darkstalker's Resurrection, the Simpsons game I mentioned, the X Men yeah, game.
1: The first couple Wild Arms games, a lot of cool RPGs that are expensive as hell to get physically now.
2: Yeah, and just, it bothers me because it seems like I said, Xbox at least offers you backwards compatibility. Sony doesn't want to. They no. keep pushing this online service that nobody wants.
1: But w- online preservation, th- the free games you get from Games with Gold or the PS Plus service, you know, they're they're good forever as long as Except
2: you, PlayStation, if you lose your subscription, they're gone.
1: No, in that double check that as soon as you resubscribe, I was gone. Well, yeah, there, I was gone re-sung. for two years, you're you're back. Yeah. And your cloud saves are there forever. Forever. As long as the server's up. That's one big stickler that Nintendo's gonna have problems with is they're not gonna keep your saves forever. That's stupid. So Because
2: how much space does that realistically take up?
1: Nothing. But they don't know how to handle online. They don't know that service. They're not. They didn't do enough research and or care to do enough to really compete. So, it it is cheaper than like you know you're paying eighty bucks for uh, Xbox Live Xbox Live or PS Plus, and you're paying twenty five for the Nintendo service. But I would have rather paid seventy bucks for Nintendo if it meant way better service.
2: Yeah, I would pay more for Nintendo if it meant I got to keep certain games or get something classic i don't know i mean that's the thing Nintendo's service to me in a sense has value because it is so cheap but you don't get anything unlike psn or xbox that online
1: service what it should let you do is it should let you plug a, a usb hard drive into your your dock and when you have it docked it should let you install games to that drive that only work with your system like we're talking it can have drm and everything on it but the internal storage, I've got a 200 gig in mine, and that was $110 when I bought it. So like for that kind of money, I could get myself a 2 terabyte or 3 terabyte drive that plugs in, which the, PS, the PS4 and the Xbox allow you to play games off of an external drive. So there, you could have your whole archive of your games all in one spot.
2: Yeah, because that's what I used to do with my Wii U, is I had all my big games on an external drive.
1: And the fact that they don't allow that I know they're like, well, how would it work if you have it unplugged? It just, all it has to do is you have a, a folder that X out and it says, you can't access this title until you plug it back into the dock. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Like or I should have an option, move to internal storage. So like, there's a lot of things that they can improve on and they probably will for the sake of money. You know, money. <laughs> but yeah, like the, as far as archival things go, I don't think physical media is going anywhere right now because there would be such an uproar.
2: And it's funny. I'm moving away from physical media. I'm going almost exclusively digital. I, and there's a case right now, and There was an incident, sorry, rather, where a guy bought a bunch of movies on iTunes. And iTunes like, well, it's not available anymore, so here's a rental on us. But I paid $10. And yeah, they're I'm like, okay. no,
1: you paid for the right to, to own it, or to view it. You don't own it. You own... Sorry, they worded it as he owned... The lease to use it, which basically means a rental that lasts three or four years.
2: Yeah, um, which is
1: which is bullshit when it's the same price as buying it physical.
2: Which uh, and then even some games get uh, delisted. For example, I know one one that I can think of that affects me personally is Xbox uh, 360 had a game called uh, Afterburner Climax, and that's a game produced by Sega. You, I don't even think you could download that game. It's anymore. the same
1: as I have the PT demo.
2: Yep, I used to have that and then my hard drive crashed and now I can never get it back. Interestingly enough,
1: I was able to find it back in my library and get it. It just showed up randomly. You're... I cannot search for it in the store. It's in my library.
2: Yeah, yeah, same here. It's in my library, but you can't download it.
1: Oh, is that, it? I haven't looked to yeah, try uh, it.
2: Actually, when that first came out, I remember. I thought about selling my PlayStation Four because there were people buying PlayStation 4s that had that game installed. I saw several go for easily fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. And
1: it's because I don't know if it's true to the state, but I don't think the system's been hacked yet.
2: To what, play, PlayStation Four, yeah, to play I don't know. to
1: play games that you install yourself. Like I don't think it has a homebrew hack. It might have at one point, but they keep patching it. Uh, whereas the PS Three, anybody that had a, a game that disappeared from the PS Three store. It doesn't really matter because a lot of people at this point are unlocking their systems because it's at and it's not dead yet, but it's at end of life cycle. And when usually when something hits end of life cycle, it's when you get the crack that unlocks everything in the system and then you can do with it what you want. You can make it an emulator machine. You can make it uh, a, a machine that backs up your games to a hard drive that you legally own, that you have the right to do that with. As long as you're not profiting off of it, it's not illegal.
2: See, that's something... I wouldn't mind turning my PlayStation 3 into an emulation machine, because... Uh, you, what I, kind
1: of, What kind do you have? Do you have the big, thick one, or the slim? The slim, now. Uh, you cannot. Oh. It only worked uh, on a certain firmware version, and it only worked... Uh, that firmware version had to be on the original fat side. See, one.
2: I had a fat PS3 that was the PS2-compatible version. It was the Metal yeah. Gear Solid
1: 4 was version. It the, was it the hardware version? F- Compatible or the software one, hardware. Because the the mo- most expensive ones are people that have had uh, the uh, reseeding of the heat sinks and the resoldering and everything. Yeah. On those, basically, so that they're brand new and they won't have the overheating issue. People that have those modded, those things can go for like a thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, I had one. I had the Metal Gear Solid Four uh, version because uh, I did some work for a website, and they're like, Mike, what do you want, PlayStation? <laughs> It wasn't even a question. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, it died due to the yellow light of death.
1: Yeah, so the overheating issue.
2: So I didn't know whether I could bring it back, so I sold it for parts. Yeah, that works. I mean... Uh, I'm sad because it was it was my baby
1: PlayStation. So, like, there's... And there's people that are on two sides of the fence. Like, they're like, oh, okay. You know, it, it's fine. Back up, do whatever you want. You know, it's... And then there's other people that go, that's piracy, that's... Not if you already own the stuff. Yeah. And I mean, and and here's the thing. A lot of games don't have demos. And there's no rental stores anymore. So maybe you just, maybe you'd want to try the game before you go and buy it. And I know people that have done that where they will get a pirated, I'm saying in quotes, copy of a game, play the first hour. Turns out they love it. Then they end up going and buying the game. So I, I think a lot of times it's, it's availability that makes people do things.
2: Well, yeah, because if you told me, hey, Mike, I want you to play Saturday Night Slam Masters, which is a capcom era two fighting wrestling beat 'em up game, yeah, I'm not going to go out and buy the CPS2 board unless I'm fucking sure. Yeah. So I want to try a game before I buy And that's another thing to remember, too, about this whole digital pre- preservation thing we haven't even talked about. Arcades are disappearing. Yeah. And those ROMs are rotting.
1: There, there are websites and, and groups dedicated to replacing every capacitor. Uh, um, I forget, or BIOS chips. I forget the exact term for it, but it's, there's a term for it where you take every uh, ROM chip off. A ROM dump or whatever? No, not, not actually. Dumping a ROM is when you take and make a backup of it. Okay. I'm talking you physically remove each of the chips. You remove the, the bad solder. You clean it with, uh, with alcohol. And then you reseat the chips or add new chips to it. Basically, it uh, makes the board like it was brand new again.
2: Kind of like rebuilding a car.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, a lot of times they end up using new capacitors and things that won't just last 20 years. They might last 50 or 100. Oh wow! Because they're just better technology now.
2: Because there's certain arcade. Games. I know when I had when I bought my first arcade machine about 10 years ago, I had um, I guess it was a pirate board or sorry, no, my first arcade game I ever about was a legit copy of Marvel vs. Capcom, or X-Men vs. Street Fighter, either way. And mine had a suicide battery, which <laughs> means if I didn't replace it, the ROM was locked out. And it was only up until the last couple of years that, that the, the coding was broken on it, I think. But if you replaced the battery, then you were fine. And that battery would last, like, 10 years or some bullshit like that. Um, But yeah, like so many arcade games being lost because certain ones are just in collections or they maybe have never been put online.
1: Well, Or they used... Here's the thing. Sometimes, yeah, put online. For the most part, I think the MAME is one of the things where if you notice, MAME hasn't had a lot of websites taken down because it's a collection of multiple arcade games. And you'd think that Capcom or one of these big companies try to take down the MAME project. It's not. MAME is... Designed as an archival uh, purpose, because there are games that have been dumped, but nobody's played them, or, or, like there are cases where people have recovered the last surviving board, yeah, and then backed it up, and that's the only reason they've been able to reduplicate it again. It's sometimes this happens where uh, the developer, the creator of the game, has lost their either their code for it, or they've lost the hardware. They might have even lost the specs on how to reproduce it. And then they end up finding out that somebody found a copy, dumped it, did all, did a new technical manual on how to repair it, and they end up using the fan created version.
2: Yeah, like I can't imagine digital preservation losing arcade games. Because yeah. we can't because there were so many produced in the eighties and seventies. It's 70s.
1: not even digital. Like you can expand it even to pinball. Yeah. Pinball has, has been on the decline, but now there's a there's Stern and I think uh, Bally. Bally and Gottlieb maybe there's A few companies still making them, uh, and and some of them are really good. It's just they're not maintaining even getting parts for a lot of the old ones. Some of them are common parts, but there are communities out there that go and restore.
2: Or 3D print or build.
1: Yes, sometimes they have to do that, and that's what 3D printing has helped with. So even physical, uh, mechanical coin-ops are, you know, disappearing.
2: Yeah, so digital preservation at the end of the day is ultimately really important. Hopefully these companies will see the value if you if you provide it to us we will come
1: here's the thing if you make it available and you make it reasonable people will do it
2: yeah absolutely if If you told me i could download any game i wanted from the xbox library or any game i wanted from the super nintendo library and i'd have to pay a little bit extra a month okay
1: yeah but if nintendo was like we will give you every nintendo game uh that we ever made like 400 whatever it is or seven i don't even know how many there are 700 and something 700 something but they'll go, okay, it's $700 a year? No. They can't do it. Like, but if you
2: told me it was, say, 50 bucks, If, you, if it was the entire library for $100 a year, yeah. I think people would do it. Yeah. Despite, you know, some questionable quality. But that's pretty much going to do it for our discussion of uh, digital preservation, emulation, and whatnot. We're going to talk about Alex's uh, new review he's doing on the Nintendo Switch. That's going to be SNK Heroines. Now, this is something... I'm interested in the concept, so pitch me, give me your review. Fire away. Fire
1: away with the review? Yeah. Uh, I'll start with saying I like it. But? <laughs> but, uh, if you're like me, I like uh, fighting games on a, not casual level, I would say an intermediate fun with the family player I'm not a competitive player like you're
2: yeah you're not playing Street Fighter
1: no I'm not buying the you know I I have an NES advantage but it doesn't count (laughs) Uh, I'm not buying the boards and all that sort of stuff to to play you know arcade perfect controls yeah but there's been sort of a a lack of fighting games that aren't Street Fighter
2: yeah or Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat
1: yeah and there's some there's some Neo Geo arcade ones uh, that that are available to download but they're Few and far between. As far as new fighting games, there's not a whole lot on the system. Yeah, there
2: are, there aren't very many new IPs out there.
1: Yeah, as of yet, for sure. So, right, SNK is uh, celebrating an anniversary, a pretty big one actually, 40th. I want to say. Yeah, uh, and they're putting out and and actually, I believe, come out now, the SNK Heroines Tag Team Frenzy. What is that? It is a fighting game starring different SNK characters, but all the female characters and they're all fighting there's a generic storyline of some guy trying to manipulate them and all to fight for his whim and blah 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 it's sort of goofy uh japanese fanboy uh wackiness the standard stuff you you come to expect in most japanese weird fighting, anime weird anime fighting games uh the one thing that they did add is uh they had to add terry from uh the king of fighters series yeah. but they made he's now a girl
2: yeah, I saw that, and I was like, okay, that's weird, but okay, it's a cool character design.
1: Yeah, and like, there's, like, shirts that say, like, Fatal Cutie on it, and it's, it, it's actually pretty funny. All the moves are the same. Now, this game is not your traditional fighter where you have a million combinations that you do, like, you know, down to back, hold this, plus forward. No, it's more simplified. It's more like Pokemon, uh, like or, or like Smash Brothers. Okay. You press, like, back and a button, or forward and a button, or down and a button, or you press back in a button and then while they're in the air you can juggle them by pressing another button okay so it's a very streamlined fighting game so you don't anybody can pick up and play it but to master it there's a little bit of
2: depth kind of like how smash has a lot of depth
1: very similar not as as in-depth as that as technical as that it from i'll be honest from the trailer i saw for it before i received the review copy i thought it was a little jerky looking but it turns out that was just the encode of the actual trailer okay it's actually very smooth uh it's very pretty. It has a cool special effects, and, and the characters have a nice flow. There is boob physics in it because, you know, that's the thing that they have in all yep. these games. There's got to be jiggle physics somewhere. Uh, but that being said, it's not gratuitous, and it, it suits the style. It's your standard cartoony King of Fighters look mm-hmm. uh, with a little more of a 3D sparkly uh, accent to it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, you get to play two-on-two fighters. So one is your support. And as you're beating up the enemy, you can swap back to your support character whenever you want. And in doing so, if you've built up your meter a certain length, you can press a button combination that will do the finisher move. And if a person on the other side isn't charged up to a certain point, there's a few conditions that can be met. You'll hit them, and it'll finish them off and kill them. And you know they'll fly off the screen, and then, then in, in almost like Street Fighter style, they're like ooh, uh, ooh, uh, that sort of thing.
0: You know what I'm talking about
1: there. I do.
2: <laughs> so here's my question to you as yes. your final verdict on this. I'm a pretty, I'm a competitive fighter. Yes. Am I going to dig this?
1: I think you'll dig it. It is the game you bring out for parties. It, it's not because anybody can play it. This is a game that, you know, your mom can play, your dad can play, your kids can play, your your wife, your your brother, anybody.
2: Do you see a tournament scene coming up around this?
1: I see this, No. I see this being the game that at the tournaments or at, at a con, they throw up for anybody that just wants casual play and fun. So filthy casual, okay.
2: Yes. <laughs> you
1: have a few drinks, and you're going to have a lot of fun partying around with your buddies.
2: I like it. So, so, yeah.
1: I would say, and there is parts you can unlock extra costumes. There is that sort of thing. Uh, there's a progression. There's a story mode. The standard stuff you come to expect, it's pretty straightforward. I would recommend it if you're a fighting fan. If you're not a fighting fan, you, you don't want to get it anyway. Yeah. But I would say if you're a fighting fan or if you just like games that you want to play at parties with your buddies,
2: okay. it's definitely worth it. All right, so that's Alex's review of SNK Tag Team Heroes? Uh,
1: SNK Heroines Tag Team Frenzy.
2: Tag Team Frenzy. I kind of got the name, but anyway. Uh, so anyway, hopefully you've had a fun time enjoying listening to the prototype for this month of September. We will be back next month as we talk about Broktober. Some of the games we'll be playing will be Assassin's Creed audit. Odyssey, uh, WWE 2K 19, Red Dead Redemption 2, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh, is there anything else I missed? Starlink, Starlink, Valkyra Chronicles.
1: There is a bunch.
2: Oh my god, your vault's gonna hate you!
1: Bunch, hate, hate you so much. So, uh, anyway, Mega guys, Man, you said that right?
2: Yes, Mega Man 11 is gonna be coming out. So, make sure you're getting in touch with us at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. Definitely want to hear from you. We do enjoy interacting with you on twitter and facebook so that's at this week in geek on twitter uh this week in geek on facebook make sure you're tagging the right one of us there are two of us on there we're the round that's we're the one that has been around the longest and we're cooler than those guys we're number one yeah we're We're number one we're number one you don't like it fucking come take us on other twigs. we're number People one you don't ass. like
1: it you get to eat number two that's
2: right bastards anyway so hopefully you've had a fun time with us so until next time we have been Alex I've been Mike the Birdman and live for your die hard we'll catch you guys again next time right here on thisweekingeek.net
0: thisweekingeek.net
2: pop <laughs> pop